You want to book as much acting work as you can, as often as you can. We get that. The thing is, you don't book acting work by focusing on booking acting work. The industry is more dynamic than that. The art is more interesting than that. By taking you inside the craft, the casting room, and the business, and bringing other industry experts into the conversation, we dig in. We pull back the curtain of the industry and show you how much power you really have as an artist. And by bringing your humanity to the work and the industry, you become an artistic leader, the kind of actor who books work. Even after decades of working with actors all over the world, in our classes at the BGB studio, teaching, coaching, casting, directing, producing, acting, on set, on stage, behind the camera and in front, nothing excites us more than seeing you express your unique artistic voice, humanize the business, and book work doing it. We're here on the podcast and in class at the BGB studio to give you all the tools you need to be a championship-level working actor right now in an industry that desperately needs your voice and your leadership. Yeah, industry and artistry. This is the only place you're going to hear this. I'm Risa. And I'm Steve. And this is the Acting Podcast from the BGB studio. We are thrilled and moved by the response to the podcast. We love reaching actors all over the world, actors like you, who tell us that our podcast inspires them, informs them, and makes them excited and proud to be an actor. Yeah, but make no mistake, an acting career is won by being in the consistent practice of the work, week after week, month after month, year after year. Success for an actor is in the doing. So here at the BGB Studio, we offer the highest quality acting training for passionate, committed, talented, and ambitious actors. We see that kind of work transform talent into successful careers, and that makes us so happy. There is no substitute for doing the work consistently, and we offer the work of success. We are the home of your 10,000 hours. We offer ongoing and eight-week on-camera auditions, scene study, and workout classes. They're available now. So sign up now to secure your spot and get to work. Go to bramangarciabraun.com slash classes, or click the link for classes in the podcast show notes. We'll see you in class. So we launched our podcast. Uh, we did. We did. It, it went out in the Nobody world, Nobody told Steve. me. Well, I think they did tell you because people have been saying some really wonderful stuff. And <sighs> it's been really moving, I know, to, to me and yeah. uh, to see that we're uh, ex- expanding our community and our connection with people on a human level out in the world. Look, our, our mission here from the beginning, as you know, uh, is to bring some humanity to all this stuff, to to ease the desperation and ease the ridiculousness that makes everyone spin at every level of this industry. And that's the spirit with which we offer this podcast. Let's talk about these things from a place of vulnerability. So that it's connecting with folks uh, is exciting. Yeah. And to see people so excited about it in return. So we want to shout out some of you um, who have said some really great things and have moved us as we, as you tell us, uh, we've moved you. Um, so Henry, who has been in class with us and comes back and forth between here and another town, um, said that he he can't tell us how much he enjoyed listening to the podcast, that we resonated so much and he felt encouraged and he's been following our advice for years and his life's been fulfilled because of it. And uh, then he really was was connected back to us from wherever he was outside of our 
on the ground community. So Henry, thanks for that. We're here for you. We we, we see you, feel you wherever you are. Another actor here whose uh, name we won't mention just said uh, the first episode made me feel less alone in what I've been experiencing. Uh, been thinking a lot about how I can fill my own tank and enjoy this creative life um, that I'm discovering for myself, um, which is really lovely. And, and again, like this is our mission here. And, and I think what, what people are describing is this relief that, oh, they're, they're it doesn't need to hurt. Yeah. <laughs> we have to together find some joy in all this. But sometimes we have to remind each other of that and pick no each other up, lift each other up. And we're here to do that for you. Uh, Tim said, I'm so happy you two are doing this podcast. I was in a rut today feeling blue about my place in the industry and where I am on my journey. You really helped me realign myself and look at things with a new perspective. And we have to keep doing that for each other. We have to wake up every morning and be able to know that there are people there who hear us and care about us and each other. And by the way, this shit is for us too. My goodness, you and I are are, you know, we've always done this for each other, yeah. reminded, uh, you know, ourselves of all this to stop and breathe when we get our heads up our asses because of the industry. And, and we always do. You yeah. Know? So and life. It's and a practice. So, yeah, right? yeah. And come back to that. Um, so also some of the you who have uh, posted stuff on uh, social media and shared in your excitement about this, Angela, uh, fairly excited about you. Uh, Her last name is fairly or she's fairly excited. <laughs> Very excited. And she's, you know, to be in class. And Kate and Rashawn and Gracie, Mercedes, thank you, thank you, thank you for that. And Ryan, March, uh, we thank you for your support. Uh, Francisco in New York. Um, who else, Steve? Um, and many more. <laughs> yeah, lots we of people. We couldn't list them all, so we won't. Um, but we're, we're, we're really grateful for that. Um, Remy, um, so excited that you're a part of our community and a part of our of our podcast situation. And Joseph, um, and all of our uh, community in BGB at BGB Atlanta in Atlanta, who are part of our class and Sounds community. Sounds like an there. Oscar acceptance speech. <laughs> <laughs> well, I do. I feel I'm moved by this, and I want to want to really say thanks to everybody else, and also some of the people uh, who have whose podcasts I've been on and who have been shouting us out. So thank you to Audrey Moore and Audrey Helps Actors. We appreciate it, and we're excited to uh, continue to collaborate with you and Alicia Oxy uh, as well. Thanks, thanks, thanks. So thanks everybody. We'll continue to share our thoughts and feelings and experiences with you. And we encourage you to share yours with us. We're here for you on the ground, on the podcast, online. We want to share this conversation Steve and I had about audition prep with you, something we recorded before we got our fancy new mics. So have a listen, and we're sure that the content will transcend all. We're going to talk today about preparation. Uh, and we're not just talking about it for no reason whatsoever. It's one of those things that we see uh, actors struggle with uh, all the time. In fact, it's a place where resistance manifests itself and clings on and makes actors either not prepare because they don't want to invest everything, or they don't even know what preparation really means, or they alternatively prepare way too much and create this structure that they can't, that isn't malleable, right. that can't actually house their talent, uh, which is problematic. So what are the things that you were seeing, uh, you were just saying this before, um, where actors struggle with preparation? Uh, well, I see it a lot in, in any of our on-camera or audition classes, and I see it in the audition room all the time. Um, and it's something to address. But we have some thoughts about that, and I think we should talk about it, um, both from a point of view of how you approach the whole notion of preparation and what it brings up in you and what anxiety 
and uh, fear carries from the preparation right into the audition room. No doubt, yeah. And, and so like, I think the biggest mistake, before we even get into the how-tos, yeah, yeah, exactly. and, and, and the funny thing is, is that, man, actors want that how-to. Like, so yeah, anyone says, yeah. like, it's the five things. This yeah. is how you prepare for every scene, every audition. And that just doesn't exist, except for on the macro level. We'll get to that in a second. So what happens is too many actors see the preparation as a blueprint, as a set of rules, a checklist to be satisfied. Um, but that actually devalues the preparation. Yeah. Um, because they focus on the preparation itself because they want to get it right and if there is a tool that I can use to book the thing let's focus on the thing so so they try to create the right kind of of structure of preparation to book the works they they, they focus solely on the right structure and they search far and wide for the right technique that gets them to that to that place but i think the secret of the preparation is that the preparation is only a means to an end right remember what the word is it's called prepare absolutely it's not called um, do it and, and dig into it in a way where you where you're married to anything, so that this is all you do. You like anything that you prepare for, like a, an athlete or a dancer. You prepare to go out and then do the thing. So let's remember what that is. And that preparation can be fun and joyous and exciting, and you can be in the excavation of this, and um, really use this as an exploration to get ready to do the the kind of work that's going to affect people. That's right. It, it's it's the vehicle that gets you to the place. Yeah. It, it's in the same way that the cup is defined by its ability to hold liquid, the value of the preparation is in the space it creates for your talent. Its job, and I would say its only job, is to create a situation in which your talent, your ability to listen and react, affect, be affected, is supported and nurtured and triggered and all of those things. So, so then, in that context, the preparation is this creatively joyful experience, even if it's frustrating and all that kind of beautiful, messy stuff. In fact, should be. Well, you know, I just want to say something about that because I, I think that's really important. So you, you, you get the audition, right? You open your computer, there's right. the audition, and it brings all kinds of stuff up and stuff that's going to, feelings that are going to create resistance and you're going to put it off and you're going to put it off and you're going to put it off and you're going to schedule it for the night before and then it, you're going to be sitting in that anxiety. Alternatively, you could embrace it and you could look at this as a messy human exploration that has questions. Have questions. How great is that, that you have questions? You don't know what this is. You can't make sense of it. Identify those questions and then right. start to live in those questions and give yourself time and space to explore those questions until you start to marinate in possibility. So a lot of this stuff uh, comes up with, with the resistance of preparation. For instance, the, the, the audition comes up and you'll say things like, but I don't feel like a lawyer or that's not what I right, would right, do right. or but I'm not the kind of person that cheats on their spouse, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera and you're not in full acceptance in your preparation. You're in resistance to it. So what if part of the preparation process was yes-anding all of this? Yeah. I am a lawyer, how do, how do I feel about that? Full acceptance, well, it makes me uncomfortable. I don't feel I have authority, but that's okay. But you're a lawyer, so being in that place of full acceptance. And, and some of this is, even as you approach, right, when the breakdown comes up, you talk about this, 
Um, what are the feelings that come up? What are your feelings about the casting director who didn't bring you in for two years? Or, or, all, or it's a series regular and how do I possibly and blah, blah, blah. All that stuff has to be managed. You have to manage the approach to the approach. Because if you don't, you're dealing with this you know, fractured, well, okay, I don't feel like a lawyer, mm -hmm. but I have to be a lawyer. I'm not going to accept that I'm a lawyer because I couldn't possibly because I don't feel like I have authority. So now I'm going to keep that at bay. I'm going to focus my energy at separating, keeping that compartmentalized, and then playing at being a lawyer. So I'm going to put on the pantsuit and the this and the that to try to, as opposed to, to being full it. acceptance. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where the joy comes in because I would never be that person who is, you know, uh, is a stripper, let's say. But in this role, I'm a stripper. So then you have to do the fun and uncomfortable and difficult work of, Oh, but I am. How do I feel about that? Wow, that horrifies me. And then doing the work of under what circumstances am I doing this? How did I get myself? All of a sudden, you're expanding as a that's creative right. person. And the story that's been given to you will give you some clues that will tell you, sure. are you a stripper who needs to do this because she needs to make money or he needs to make money? You know, Are you doing this because you have no place else to go and you're desperate? Are you doing this because you love to dance and you couldn't figure it out and you ended up in this small town and now you're stripping? Are you doing this, you know, whatever, whatever your reasons are? So right. now you start to, to, to find the bottom in this and all the possibilities in this and you start to embrace all of that and forget that the breakdown said she's a stripper who is tough as nails but has a heart of gold, <laughs> you know, or et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And right. then you're going, well, how do I do that? Well, and then you start exactly spending your time dealing with the external. How do, what do I wear? Um, you know, what's my makeup gonna be like? Uh, and how do I satisfy the breakdown? And how do I put myself, you know, contort myself into this breakdown? And you've stopped going within to figure out where this lives in you and what it brings up in you. And all of those questions and all of those concerns are, are things that you can embrace and start to expand, as you're saying. And that's huge. That's a big part of this, because then you're going to get to the place of, oh, now I'm in this thing. And anything and everything is possible. And then what is the story that I'm telling and how do I fulfill that for myself sure. and for what was handed to me? And so much of this, I think, is, is, is trust as an artist. So, so if sure. something comes up in you that you feel is antithetical to the script or the character or the breakdown or whatever, you, you can push back against that and assume that that's not right. And the trust says, What do you mean? No, no. Say, say more about Right. That. So what I mean is, so it says she's this and she's that and she's this. Yeah. But whatever feeling comes up in you, as you say, for instance, yeah. I'm a lawyer or I'm doing this or I'm doing mm -hmm. that. Um, on some level, you feel that that feeling isn't right for this thing. Well, uh, it says I have cancer here, but this line makes me laugh. Or, But that right, can't right, right. be quite right because they need me to be sad here. All of those things. So then you start pushing down your humanity in all this. And, and you stop trusting that what's in there is okay. And we maintain that, that even if you quote unquote have to be sad in this thing, or it's so clear because they're hitting the, the nail right on the head about the tone of this, if something comes up in you, you have to address that and be truthful about it. And then through the work itself, find a way to make this work for you apropos the discussion of, oh no, I could never do X, Y, or Z, but you did, how does it make you feel? Yeah. Then you can find your way there in a way that's truthful and in a way that takes ownership of this. This is gonna be controversial to geekdom, but um, the notion of Harrison Ford playing Han Solo in the original Star Wars, he's rolling his eyes at the material. It's as if he reads it and goes, this is ridiculous, what are the force, what are the this is ridiculous. But it becomes, because he was an acceptance of it, and the character certainly lent itself to it, right. 
he's offering an eye roll yeah. that might be in line with what the audience yeah, is saying so he's, too. So he brings that cynicism <laughs> right. to it, the tired, right. been there, done that kind of mentality to it, and right. that becomes the character. And you can do that even if you're supposed to, even if it's the slick district attorney who's never been wrong. But she, that district attorney, is defined by the conflict, is defined by how she's reacting from whatever her truth is, which is, well, I don't feel like the slick district attorney at this point. Right, you know? and it's a human being. You're a human being Absolutely. in a story. And also just to say about that, the Han Solo or the lawyer or the stripper, right. you know, or the district attorney, there's no one definition of that. And no somehow doubt. we get into some box because we think, well, all lawyers wear a <laughs> pantsuit, you know, and all district attorneys dress like this and all strippers are, you know, and so again, you go to the external and you right. go to an idea and I see that all the time, people playing an idea of what this is. How many, you know, believe it or not, there are thousands of different kinds of strippers. They're all different shapes and sizes and, and human beings with different characters and different essences and different um, needs. And so you need to, to, to accept that you are a stripper, you are this kind of stripper, right. and uh, there's no right way to do this. There's, no matter what the breakdown says, no matter what the writer has even written in there, because what writers will do is they'll write in something fairly abbreviated because they know they only have so much space in a script to get in everything, huh. so they'll write in some kind of um, skanky stripper in a dive bar, Oy. and but they and all their that's what they're saying. Thanks, patriarchy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, indeed. I've been right. I've been dealing he, with that a lot write lately. That, that right. yeah, 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 yeah. He, but 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 I think the sorry. Go ahead, please. No, and and then so you're going like well, you'll either do I'm not that. <laughs> you'll have all this resistance and this, and then you won't be really dealing with your feeling about it. And you should have feelings about that if you're a woman and you read that or anybody who reads that. But also then you'll try to be like, okay, so how do I act like a skanky stripper in a dive bar? You won't deal with the story you're telling, you won't deal with your own humanity in this, you won't deal with what the character, what you in the story want, right. you know, in, in, in the scene or in the, in the script or in, in, the, in the film. And suddenly, you know, you've distanced yourself so far from possibility that you're playing at a right. skanky stripper in a dive bar. So if you're doing, you know, the the boxes on the steps on that, you get this presented to you stripper, you go, oh, I know what a stripper is. It's this notion of sexuality, which is this monolithic notion. Then you reflect it back on you and go, am I that? And you go, no, oh my, I'm not that. Uh, so now I have to Manifest psychically yeah. get rid of parts of myself, right, right. Uh, put those huge. in a box, cut them off, this psychic self-mutilation, yeah. and then be something different. Right. And now you walk in with the heels and you're playing at something which isn't, which, which is void often of humanity because um, you haven't brought your own to it. So, so here we have this notion of even before we get to the work, can we be in full acceptance of this thing? And some of it is that very first read, or even if we back it up, creating space before the, you actually open the email. So you see the email from the agent and you go, I'm gonna open this thing, let's create physically even a space where I can read this thing, take a sec, look inside, and discover what's happening to me. Maybe write about it afterwards, or, or whatever that is for you. But so often, you, you, as, as soon as it comes up, you start deciding how you're going to say it, and you, because your mind's spinning in terms of the result of, of all of this thing. And, and then from there, from that full acceptance, we have to move to a place of making it even more personal and more specific. Yeah. And, and this is where all these questions of yourself in, in the world of the play and the story come in. How do I feel about this? Why am I doing this? How much money do I get paid to do this? 
what is the amount of money for which I would do this, et cetera, et cetera. That level of specificity uh, is really, really important, I think, in all this. And that's the fun stuff. That's the great stuff. Oh, my stuff. goodness. So the other thing, I just to, to back up one second, is to also deal with the anxiety that's going to come up about, oh, God, I hope that I, I, I'm right for this. I hope that I can do this well. I hope I have enough time to do it well. I hope I don't fuck this up. I hope that, they're, that, that they really want me. I hope that, and all these things start happening. So first, you've got to deal with your own feelings about the whole idea of this, this thing in order to get to the other side, which is to get to the real work. That's right. Which is allowing yourself to, to feel and engage with another human being. Yeah. And, and this is where we get to the point where if, because of your anxiety or your fear, you create a preparation that is rigid, that is not of you, that, that isn't malleable, that, uh, that can't be yes and, and we'll talk about that in a second, that doesn't allow for anything because your intention is to can a performance, open up that can and pour it out because you're worried about control. There's no room for you to have a human experience with that reader. So there's a world in which the preparation only informs the opening moment. And certainly, in the course of, of playing out the scene, you'll likely be triggered if the preparation is personal and specific by things that you say or that the reader says to yeah. you. And it'll re-trigger it. Yeah. But, but really, you have to deal with what's going on in that moment. So whatever childhood you had, and you'll make that specific, if in the scene you're making toast, it may not affect the way you make toast, what dad did to you in third grade. But at the same time, if the line is, this reminds me of when I used to have breakfast with my dad, sure, it's gonna, but, but, but it has to be that, that beautiful dance back and forth, that, that marriage, that integration of structure and fluidity, structure and fluidity. And if you're all about one, because this is my technique and it's rigid and I'll take the template and I'll put it onto this scene, now I'll put it onto this scene, you're gonna come up short pretty consistently. Because each scene requires a different level of, of preparation. Um, and your instincts will tell you, and, and we see this in class again and again and again, that the folks who are, who are dedicated to the consistent you know, weekly, monthly, yearly practice get to know where preparation lives in them as a unique creature so they know how much they have to do, they know the kind of specificity necessary, and, and also they know uh, that they don't have to do more. You don't have to weave some yarn together, some screenwriting that you think is really clever, um, but, but then when you deal with the person in front of you, a, a whole other moment and world emerges and you have to let that preparation go in the interest of this. Well, that's championship level work. That's the black belt there. Yeah, yeah. And that takes time and takes a lot of letting go and trust and undoing of old ways. <clears throat> I'm, uh, I'm always struck by how much control actors try to have when they come into an audition room. And it's protective, you know, it's like there's armor in that. Like I'm gonna protect myself from all the fear, which is to, to me kind of antithetical, but so I'm gonna protect myself from all the fear of walking in that room and being judged and, and rejected. So I'm gonna try to control this thing. I'm gonna learn the words for the word's sake only. I'm going to uh, have a, a through line that I, that I create that is about how I'm going to say this scene and here I'm going to do this and here I'm going to stand and here I'm going to lean into the, this and I'm going to listen and you forget like all the things you know that you, and, and love about acting. You right. forget to listen, you forget to, to be spontaneous and to discover and to allow yourself to be affected um, and you don't do the kind of preparation work that drops you into a specific 
and really engaged point of view, emotionally and and uh, psychologically. So you you have a, a clear idea. And when you and the interesting thing is that kind of work is what really gives you not the armor but the the, the muscle and. Uh, the fortitude to be able to walk into a room with confidence and 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 uh, engagement and collaboration. Say, hey, this is where all this lives in me. This is my point of view of this. This is my stripper. <coughs> Excuse me. This is my stripper version. Um, I didn't wear the fishnets, you know, and the little tight leather skirt. I don't need that. But this is what I know to be true for me in this story, and that's the kind of muscular leadership work that changes the room and gives you permission, you give yourself permission, and you allow other people who you're collaborating with in that room to really see you and give them permission to collaborate with you, which is really huge. Sure. Like, to me, that's, that's how you stand out. Because yeah. you've put it through the filter of, of you and your own experience. And this is not to say that it's all about you or not serving the story. We are. We're meeting the story with our humanity. Right. It's a beautiful train wreck of our experience yeah. and our presence with the story and the writer's intention. And, and when those two weave, interesting things happen, and the experience that results is unique. For instance, and I'm even nervous saying this, but I'm going to do this work right now. Maybe you can do it too. Okay. Uh, I'm going to answer the question, how much money would it take, I'm going to do this personal work right okay. now, okay. for me to be a stripper. Okay. <laughs> so. I'm even nervous saying so. To go on stage one night, mm -hmm. um, I don't think I could do it for five grand. Really? So I'm thinking to like strip all the way down. I, I would probably need ten grand for one night to do it. Now that's my answer. And by the way, if some like big bill comes in or whatever, you catch me on the right day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe yeah. the number comes down a little yeah. bit. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. But I think for one night to go totally naked and be a stripper, ten grand. Yeah, yeah. My heart is pounding even really? saying that. Yeah, yeah. But 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 what's but that's the work, yeah, right? Like, yeah. what's your number? Is yeah. the question. Shit, what is my number? Yeah. And you start expanding your notion. There's some some moral flexibility in all this, and this does not mean that you live your life any different way than than you are. But let's entertain some of this stuff and and allow. And this is a tricky part. Allow the material to affect us, to trigger us. Yeah. Uh, to move us, to change us, and make us uncomfortable. Wow. As opposed to saying, nope, I don't do that. Or I do it this way, you know, in a protective bubble. Right. We get a lot of questions about casting, about auditioning, about your careers and the business, and we want to focus on some of the ones we hear often. So we're going to take one right now with great question. Let's talk about that. So let's dive in. So Isabella from Sydney, Australia, hi Isabella, uh, asks, do I need to be off book for my audition? Interesting. The answer is no. <laughs> Go ahead, Risa. You know, it's changed a little bit. People are expected, or they think they're expected to be off book, but the question really is, what does off book really mean? What is knowing your stuff, your words, your point of view, your story? What is that versus knowing, memorizing the words so that you walk into a room, which I see all the time and it's heartbreaking, where people are just trying to remember the words, you know, and it's all about that. It's all about the memorization. They go into a cold or hot sweat, <laughs> depending on who they are. And, just, and so that's not being off book. That's 
memorizing. And, you know, anybody can do that or not do that depending on your skill set. But it's really about knowing the story you're telling and learning your words from a, from a more organic place in your preparation. Yeah, I quite agree. Uh, to me, it's about the relationship between you and the words. I know people who can stay present and can stay in their preparation, have emotional accessibility, and uh, move the reader and be moved, and look down at their page quite often, right? So uh, this interesting thing happens. You are in the scene. You don't know the line. Rather than uh, it's right there in front of you, you know, you bring, you can bring your sides in. You look right. down. You see it. You come back up, and you stay in that space. You berate yourself for some perceived imperfection of, oh, I didn't know my lines. I, did, I didn't check all the boxes. I screwed this up. And so, I mean, it's wildly inefficient, this process. Yeah. And then so you pull out of the scene. Presence is gone. You come down to find the line. You come back up, you try to recreate, I mean, it's uh, Yeah, you leave ridiculous. the scene, and, <clears throat> and yeah, so two things about that. One is, there's, there seems to be some real disconnect and panic that happens when you're holding the pages in your hand, mm -hmm. and you won't look down, because you think that if you do, you will never come back. You failed. You failed. It feels like you're, you're falling off a cliff, though. Right. Uh, people have told me that all the time. Page, your pages are right there. I, I know, I know, I know, but I, I really don't need them. I didn't need them this morning. I didn't need right. them out there. I didn't need them in the car. I didn't need them on the subway. And, and so there's that. And then the other really important thing is practice using your pages. Like practice what that would be like, not to read it, but to glance down and look at it if you have to. And that takes a certain, just it just takes practice. Sure. And people who are working at an Olympic level in this stuff know how to look down and just take a glance and stay in the scene. I'm still talking to you right now. You can't see me because we're on a podcast. But I'm talking. I can see you. Don't I know worry. you can't. But those of you who can, just know that <laughs> truly, truly, I'm doing this. I'm looking at Steve. I'm talking to Steve. She's I'm, I'm looking at my hand, but I'm still with you. I'm still yeah, with you. I'm just right. grabbing my 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 words. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and so, so. The, the, what happens is when there's so much on the line and you're in a place of fear and you want to get this right, and blah, 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 your head starts looking for the things that it can indeed control. The head thinks, well, uh, the lines, that's one of the things you can control, you know? And you learn from some sort of, I don't know, theater school or you better know your line, have to know your lines, essential. Mm. And sure, you want to be respectful to the writers, but in the interest of collaboration. So, um, you know, you have to have a relationship with the words that allows you to be fluid and have your talent, um, you know, uh, come out. If it's all about the words, uh, it's not going to matter. Great, you checked all the boxes, you got every line right. But who cares? Who cares? You yeah. didn't move anyone on an emotional level. Yeah. And the interesting thing is that when you prepare from a place of understanding what you're saying, who you're talking to, what is the behind everything you're saying, really the spe specificity and details of what you're saying, and you work from that place, the words come. They come when you're prepared, they come when you're in the car, they come when you're in the waiting room, and they certainly come when you're in the room, when you make it about the other person and you understand the story that you're telling. Word. Um, so our next question comes from Vancouver, British Columbia, Canada, um, and this is from Kyle. What's your take on dressing to suggest the role in the audition? wearing scrubs for a nurse role or cargo pants, black boots for an officer, et cetera. I wouldn't recommend ever wearing cargo pants, or is that, no. Actually, as a, for a, as a, for as a, a dad, I think I, I, cargo shorts every once in a while, but only at an assessment. I've seen you in cargo shorts. Yeah, yeah. yeah you've got to carry the diapers, you got to carry all this stuff. Right, that's the point, yeah. Right, but so. Uh, but, you, but as a fashion statement or as a, or as a costume. That's, they're two different things, but so, uh, and again, this is, what is your relationship to, 
the costume? Are you doing it because it's presentational? Because you need to show them, so I don't feel like I could be a doctor, what's going to put me over the edges if I walk in with a lab coat so they can really picture, you know, and it assumes that these people don't know that there's, you know, a property department that will get you the props, that there's a costume department that will blah, 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 blah. Well, that will demand that they cost costume you. That's right. Yeah. So, um, so then it becomes about, as you say, uh, playing the outfit. Which people do because they think they're supposed to and because they don't really know what it means to inhabit the world of the play that they're in. But interestingly, there are so many different kinds of nurses and doctors and people who wear cargo pants and black boots. Um, So if you decide that you are playing a type of person and you're restricting yourself to playing that outfit or being that person in the outfit, it's not only restrictive, uh, but it's about the outfit, right. you know, for in terms of the work you do. You know, sometimes, I have two thoughts about this. One is, if you feel a certain way by wearing a certain kind of clothing, you know, if it helps you wear heels because as a woman or a man, but if you wear a certain kind of shoe that makes you feel like you're in the world of that, great. I have so many women come in with huge high heels, which I know they put on at the elevator, <laughs> take their flip-flops off, put on those heels, come in because they feel like they're supposed to look a certain way that you rarely see that, you know? And so I constantly say to women, take your shoes off at the door. You don't need those heels. And they all, you know, relax into the floor, into the ground to be grounded. But if something about that outfit, that costume, that wardrobe really helps you inhabit that world, yeah, sure. And I think you mentioned that you found that on Masters of Sex, which was a period piece that uh, people came in feeling of the world. Yeah. And and the writers, producers liked that because it helped them see the world, but only when the person fully inhabited that human being and fully wore that from a place of, I know what this feels like, um, and I like what this does to me, and it puts me in the world. So on the one hand, if it's presentational, hey, everyone, look at me, I'm a doctor, not going to work. If you're doing the actual work of an artist, and uh, in the course of this preparation, uh, there's an element that's added by virtue of you putting on a certain costume or whatever else, uh, then then fine. And by the way, we'll know the difference. Right? You like will. It'll, six miles away, you'll tell. Yeah. You, can, you can tell whether someone's doing this to show you that they can be a doctor. And also the amount of time we're talking about preparation that I, I often see people put into their wardrobe <laughs> when I know that, you know, that, that's only a small part of it. But again, that's insecurity. I need to, the world need, tells me I need to look beautiful or handsome or, you know, and so the hair and the makeup and the jewelry and everything is just done. And you know that someone thought that through, probably went shopping to buy a certain piece of clothing but that time could have been better spent on doing the real work. And then you walk in in a T-shirt and nobody cares what you look like, you know, as long as you're uh, present um, and, 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 and you don't look like you just rolled out of bed unless that's part of the role. Right. Um, and you do that work. You spend your time really inhabiting the story, the world, the relationship, being, making all your specific bold choices, and then uh, the costume becomes secondary. And it's an important point. And I don't want to be flippant about it, but like, for instance, for women in particular, there are these external forces that are telling them that they have to look a certain way. And yeah. so they're reading between the lines on, you know, uh, um, these breakdowns. And, you know, she's like this and she's like that. And I think women know what that means. She's hot. She's cute. She's right. pretty. She's the most beautiful girl he's ever seen. And those are in breakdowns. Right. Yeah. And I've, I've been asked. So, to, so does yeah. that woman then show up? with the t-shirt and the jeans, you know, like she rolled out of bed, but offers a lovely performance. You know I mean? This is where it gets tricky. Then then what's beauty, what, what constitutes beauty? Right. That's a bigger conversation. No doubt. Yeah. 
If you have a question that you'd like to have answered here on The Acting Podcast, email us at theactingpodcast at gmail.com. That's theactingpodcast at gmail.com. And put great question in the subject line so we'll know. We're ready to hear your question and offer our take on the answer. Go ahead and email today. We're here. You know, part of this is, and we're not saying to, to you guys listening, don't do this, you know, all of this is wrong, because you have your ways, but we're asking you to know yourself and to know what it is about you that connects with what's handed to you. So um, what troubles me, and this is really comes from my heart, is that I see people walk into audition rooms so protected and so guarded so decided on how they're going to do something that there's not a lot of flexibility there. They're not engaged. They're not listening. They don't have a clear point of view as to what they're saying and why. And these are all pretty simple, basic things. But a lot of that is, will I know my lines? I only get a couple minutes in the room. How can I present the idea of this lawyer or this district attorney or this scientist or this military operative or this, you know, stripper or this whoever um, to a room full of people who are going to judge me in two seconds. And they, they, they let the art of it go out the window, the creative process of it. And if you can be in your preparation, in a creative process, from the moment you sit down at your computer right through to the time you walk out of that room and really, as hard as it is, lean into that. Uh, you'll have a much better experience and affect people differently. And I, you and I both know this, that it comes down to a consistent practice of this stuff. So yeah. you can be in your head with a preparation, but the way you get to trust yourself and the way you prepare is by, in a consistent manner, actualizing a preparation and discovering where it lands in you. Wow, um, I made this and that specific, and I did this, this, um, but it was way too much, and I lost sight of the moments. Or alternatively, oh wow, I, I just uh, I was really too light on the preparation, or it wasn't specific enough, um, so I'm gonna come back next week and, and make it more specific. And I think that's the only way that you can walk into some of these rooms where it feels like you know, there's knives out for you and, and there's a level of disrespect that's deafening or alternatively, I'm just making all these self-tapes and who knows if anyone's watching. In the shadow of that, potential for disconnection and shame from the industry, um, what's required is that consistent practice of trust so that you get to believe that not only can you come up with a bold, uh, exciting, personal preparation in short order, um, but that you can do it consistently and you can do it once. And then when they say, you know, actually, and I know it says that you're this and this, but we've changed it because this is draft seven. Right. We're on the salmon rod draft now and you didn't get those notes because they just happened this morning. So now you're going to be this. Or it turns out you are the killer. Or you get the guest spot for the procedural and you don't even know if you're the killer. And they won't tell you. And they won't tell because, <clears throat> you know, secrets of the universe, they can't just share those yeah. with you. And so can you come in and go, great, yeah, uh, just give me a second. Can we make the, ooh, how does that, how much money? Great. Um, do I know what I want for? Great, let's try it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's and that's somebody you know being willing. I mean, that's flexibility. No doubt. That is you know, being able to just whirl around, twirl around on a dime. You know, and so uh, that does take practice. It takes trust, and uh, and so maybe it takes falling down and having it, it not work a bunch of times. Absolutely. And realizing what that is. You Absolutely. know. Absolutely. Um, 
and in that preparation, you're ha you have to remember that you're not in this by yourself because people tend to prepare alone often. And so you're talking to yourself and you're saying the words out loud and you're getting into the complete flow of just the words and you're forgetting that you're you know, in a scene with another human being. I know you see that in the room sometimes. Oh, people act by themselves all the time and Ugh. it just, they're going off into the corner and, and in, in, in rooms I invite people into, I always make sure that there's a decent reader in there who's an actor and that still sometimes doesn't help because people have so uh, consistently prepared by themselves. And, and, and it's not just that they don't have another physical human being to do it with, because it's not about that. It's in their minds. They're not in a scene with other people. You know, they're, they're presenting something. They're making a speech. They're talking at somebody. They're at the end of the scene before they get there. Um, so what about the practice and the preparation being about getting ready to talk to another human being. And that right. leads right into the waiting room. Because when I go into the waiting room and I see people mouthing the words and talking to the air and, you know, just, or on, yeah, or on their phones avoiding, whatever it is, the, what about the work of, I'm about to go in and tell my sister that I'm having an affair with her husband and this is the hardest thing I, I can do and I just found out she's pregnant and, you know, and I've been drinking and all this stuff. I mean, that's the world you want to be living in. How do you feel about that? What is this going to be like? What's your relationship with your sister, with drinking, with her husband, you know, uh, with your parents? Are they alive? What's, what are the consequences of this? And to be living inside of that and marinating, and that's when you walk in the room, you come in really ready to do what needs to happen in the scene, to find it, and then you're in the exploration of it, and you're in the sort of the discovery of it, and it's alive. But it, so it's about keeping this thing alive throughout your entire preparation, right through till you finish and walk out of the room. And that's often, I think, the, the final piece of the preparation. Once you've created that space and uh, dealt with sort of the approach to the approach and uh, check out the feelings that come up with you and all this, make it uh, um, about make it personal, so accepting of the circumstances, make it very specific, know what you want, know how you feel. Um, and then the last piece, out of all of that, but what do I want from the other person? Um, and, 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 then, and then you have to let it all go, right? So it's the preparation, the trust that the preparation is done, and then the moments. All you have is this consistent, eternal moment every single time, the listening and reacting. Right. Well, if you prepare that way, the likelihood is, is that you'll come in the room really prepared, meaning that you'll come in the room ready to engage with another human being. Right. And that's what you want to do. You know, you don't come to the to the dinner party, well, maybe you do, like having rehearsed everything you're going to say. So, uh, it's 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 being ready to let this thing come alive with another human being. You know, in the in the world of the play, in the moment, with discovery and joy. And that's the that's the thing that actually changes the room and affects other people and gets you a second take sometimes if you even need it, sometimes you don't. Um, and it's far more fun to work on and ultimately do. Like just that difference between, oh, what can I do to make them love me versus ooh, what comes up in me as a result of this? Like one is just dreadful, like one makes me want to vomit, this notion of how can I be different so I can please them or what song and dance can I do so that the blah, 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 um, as opposed to having 
an artistic experience in all of it. And, and I know that it doesn't always feel like the industry is open to your artistic experience, but, um, but this is what this is, right? Like in the face of uh, an industry that isn't perhaps interested or obviously interested in your artistic experience, offering an artistic experience because your only value, your product is can you move them on an emotional level and offer something that's that's human, um, you know, to, to keep doing that. And, and again, it comes back to practice. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'll tell you, if you offer your artistic experience, there's a very good chance that you'll bring people back to theirs, which is why they're there in the first place, and they need to be reminded of that. So you need to be able to uh, trust that because that's the thing that affects people in rooms or on self-tapes or when they watch your audition on a tape, however they experience you. If you can bring that, that kind of creative process and artistic expression and full sense of yourself to this work, you will affect them and you'll remind them why they wrote this or are directing it or are producing it or why this matters. I see this all the time. And they are affected and they are moved and they press the button, let's do that. Let's do that. Oh my God. And they don't even know why sometimes. Um, but you need to know why. And, and that's, the, that's the job, I think, of yeah. the actor, right? So this thing is in place from inception. Perhaps it was creative. Then, it, then this piece, TV show, whatever it is, meets the industry and it goes through all the cogs and the whatever and the tubes that, that try to institutionalize it and codify it and make it work. And then it turns into this juggernaut of, uh, ego administration and technician and all that kind of stuff and it's your job to step in front of that and offer and remind them of the inception uh, uh, yeah. and to be that disruptive artistic force yeah. um, and preparation is a part of yeah, that yeah works every time so it's exciting it means that things are going to be shaken up for you guys listening um, and we don't want to shake it up for the sake of shaking it up but we know for a fact that when it when you do come back to the real pure heart and center of the writing, of the work, of the story, of the relationships, of, of, of your own experience in this. Um, it's much more fun to work on, much more productive, um, and ultimately really prepares you to walk in a room and live inside the world of the play for that particular audition or self-tape. It's the same thing. It's the exact same thing. Yeah. We love sharing this content with our community. We offer it 100% free and it's our privilege to do so. If you're loving this podcast and are interested in offering something in return, go ahead and subscribe to The Acting Podcast. Then find us on Apple Podcasts or wherever you like to listen to your podcast and leave us an honest rating and review. Your words will help us bring this work to even more actors and artists around the world. Thank you so much for listening and for being here with us. We love how this community shows up for us and for each other online and in the studio. And as a thank you to our incredible community, we want to give you an amazing free gift. It's called the Comprehensive Guide to the Perfect Self-Tape. So all you have to do is screenshot your review, send it to theactingpodcast at gmail.com, and we'll send you an exclusive gift of the Perfect Self-Tape Guide to take your work to the next level. And come visit us online at thebgbstudio.com. And if you're in L.A., Atlanta, or New York, jump into a class with us. We're here to get you into the kind of shape necessary to be successful. 